You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. And you are listening to Sexual Heroes. Joel Benjamin is a licensed massage therapist and yoga teacher living in Seattle with his husband and their two cats. Joel's studio is Yoga Smith and describes his yoga classes as classic hatha. Each class includes meditation, breath work, yogic philosophy, and asanas for the postures. In addition to yoga classes and retreats, Joel teaches men's tantric bodywork workshops and hosts monthly tantric events. He also works with men one-on-one and with couples who want to explore tantric bodywork together. Hi, Joel. Welcome to Sexual Heroes today. Thank you, Robert. Do you have an elevator speech for what you do? So if somebody were in an elevator with you, one of my listeners, and you were explaining to them what you, you your OnlyFans, your, your business, what it's all about, what would you tell them? I would tell them that uh, my work is focused on helping men discover the connection that already exists in all of us between sex and spirit. Hmm. What are we missing if we don't have that knowledge, that insight, that ability? We're missing out on a much deeper, much more profound, found experience when we engage with sexual energy. If we don't have the understanding of what sexual energy is and how to consciously generate that energy, how to control that energy so that that energy doesn't control us and how to celebrate and share that energy with each other, as opposed to how most guys approach sex is basically just using each other to get each other off. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of a halfway experience. Hmm. Well, I'm sure nobody listening to this wants a halfway experience, so they ought to pay attention to this this episode. (laughs) Now, I'm guessing you yourself did not always have this insight and ability. No. I, you know, most guys, most guys don't because it's not something that, not something that's taught to us as young men in our culture. When I'm teaching a workshop or when I'm working with a, with a man one-on-one, teaching him the deep stroke sequence, the different cock strokes uh, that I teach, I joke, we should have been taught this as young men. And everybody laughs. But it's, I'm not joking. You know, it's, it's the truth. We should have been taught this as young men. So no, I, I didn't approach my sex life from this perspective up until I was probably in my mid-20s. Hmm, mid-20s. So you actually came to this hmm, knowledge pretty young. In the scope of things, for sure. Because most guys that I work with are definitely older than that when, you know, they first dip their big toe in. For guys who come to me who are in their 20s, I, I always say to them, wow, you know, you're lucky to be curious about this at such a young age. 
because mm-hmm. now you've got the whole rest of your life to really explore it and deepen your understanding. But it's, it's one of those things that I, I really do believe that when we are ready to explore something, that's when that curiosity arises. Many times in my podcast, I say, let's back up. <laughs> I'd <laughs> like to learn a little bit about what you were like before this knowledge came to you. What was your sex life like in your early 20s? Were you, did you come out young? I'm 56. So when I came out, it was the mid 80s. I would say at that point, when I came out, it was probably kind of the average age to be coming out. It was just post-college. So I was living in Manhattan. I was in my very early 20s. A lot of my friends knew at that point. Um, but like when I say coming, when I consider coming out, to me, that was coming out to my family. Mm-hmm. Because in college, I'd say from my sophomore year on, I was out. But to me, the coming out was, you know, telling my brother, telling my parents. So coming out then to your family, was it traumatic or did, was it pretty smooth sailing for you? My brother was totally cool. My brother, like, didn't even phase him, which was a gigantic relief because I tested the waters with him before I told my parents. You know, growing up, Jewish kid in New York, my parents were super uh, liberal. They smoked pot when I was growing up. I just figured, oh, it'll be, it'll be hard for me to spit the words out. But once the words are out, it'll be fine. And I would say my mom was fine with it, you know, right from the get-go, just because, you know, moms are moms. And, you know, she was able to, um, to kind of roll with it. My dad had an issue with it. And I'd say his issue lasted for about three months. Then he met my um, my then boyfriend, my now husband, and after that, he was totally fine. Yeah, I, I count myself as lucky in the the bigger picture. Wow! So you brought your then boyfriend to your father, who is now your husband. You've been together a long time. Oh yeah, we've been together since '89. All right, so here we go. Going to get personal. Go for it. So your partner has been with you or was with you during this this period of transformation. He's been with me since yeah, since I started to to explore tantra and he actually became a body worker for a period of time at the beginning so that he could understand it as well from the perspective of body work. You know, when I first got my massage license, I was doing traditional massage Traditional massage, meaning kind of massage that you would get in a physical therapist's office or a, a health club. Then when I transitioned to doing tantric massage, for him to really understand it, I trained him in it and he started to do it too. So both of us, for a period of time, were doing tantric massage. We'll get to that, but I want to hear about your sex life. Were you top? Were you bottom? Switch? Versatile? I would say versatile, but neither of us are really kind of top or bottom centric. It's like for me, and this has always been the case and it's still the case now, hooking up with someone and stroking cocks is just as hot as for some guys who feel like fucking is sex. And if they don't fuck, then it's not sex. To me, 
stroking cock, sucking cock, having my cock suck. That's all sex, you know, um, pec work, nipple work. That's all sex. I never really put myself into top bottom categories because fucking really, and to this day is not kind of the top of my list when it comes to, when it comes to sex. So then when you discovered Tantra, how did all that change? With you and your partner, let's be specific. It definitely became much more about just generating that energy and understanding that energy and not having to focus on ejaculation. And that was between me and my partner and also between me and every dude that I connected with. I started to really understand how important it was to not always ejaculate to actually, you know, focus on conserving that energy as much as I was focused on ejaculating. And when you're in your 20s, you can ejaculate a lot more and not have it affect you afterwards as profoundly as, you know, you get into your 40s and your 50s. Mm -hmm. And everyone who's listening who's over 40 can relate to this. You ejaculate and at least for the next couple of days, your energy dips until it starts to build back up again. I started to recognize that in my 20s, but it really became important to me as far as regulating my own energy and being in control of my own energy as I got into my mid-30s and 40s. You're familiar with the bait community. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And in the bait community, there are guys who consider themselves edgers. A lot of that is about not ejaculating, mm-hmm. giving yourself pleasure, giving yourself pleasure, building, 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 bringing yourself to the edge, not ejaculating. Sometimes edgers will go for for hours, days, weeks, months even. Are they naturally practicing a lot of what, what Tantra is about? Are they doing it just sort of... Um, instinctively. Instinctively. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they are experiencing the benefits of not ejaculating as frequently as your mind is telling you, let's get off, let's get off. And they're experiencing all that energy. And once you start to experience it, you like the way it feels Mm -hmm. and you want to ride that edge for longer and longer periods of time. I ejaculate once every two to three weeks. Mm. Doesn't mean that, you know, I don't stroke my cock every day. Doesn't mean that someone else doesn't stroke my cock. It just means that I don't get off every single time. You know, you work yourself to the edge many times as you want, then you put your cock back in your pants and you go about Mm -hmm. your day. And you pay attention to how much more energy you have. You know, that's, that's, it's creative energy. It's life energy. It's the most powerful energy in the universe. So it affects all aspects of your life, Mm -hmm. not just when your cock is involved. And if you're working on a creative project, it's going to feed that. When you go to the gym, it's going to feed that. It's going to feed every single interaction that you have in your life if you are full of life energy. Mm -hmm. And if you're depleted, it's going to work in the other direction. It's going to basically make you feel like you're dragging around dead weight. Edgers, hold off, do not come, because they can 
stay horny. They can get themselves hard very easily as often as they want, as long as they hold back and not ejaculate. And that's why they stay. That's why they keep themselves that way. And it keeps them, let's face it, it keeps you horny, like constantly. No, for sure. And I can't speak for all edgers, but I would definitely say that, yes, then you, you, you are feeling that vibe for long periods of time. And that vibe is creative energy. Mm. It's life energy. You know, most people don't think far enough along to basically, you know, it's like they, they're horny. They recognize mm. that they're horny. That's as far as they, as they go um, intellectually into what they're experiencing. They're horny. The next step is to get themselves off, you know, mm. either by themselves or with someone else. But if you really do engage with that energy, you start to really understand, oh, that energy, every time it arises, you don't have to release it. In fact, not releasing it makes that, that body vibe that you feel last for long periods of time. And then you can move through the world as a vital, powerful person. So beyond holding off, not ejaculating, what will people learn by subscribing to your OnlyFans, by seeing you one-on-one -on -one as a pr practitioner or in a group setting or with a partner? What kinds of things are they going to learn to add? Tantric philosophy is the oldest spiritual philosophy known to mankind. Um, there may have been spiritual philosophies before Tantra, but as far as written human history, Tantra is the oldest. And Tantra as an umbrella philosophy, basically, the belief is that our whole life is our spiritual practice, not just when we go to temple, not just when we go to church, not just when we sit down on our meditation cushion and we think, oh, I'm engaging in a spiritual practice now. And then when I get up, the rest of my life has nothing to do with my spiritual practice. From a Tantric perspective, every aspect of your life can and should be viewed as part of your spiritual practice, including your sex life. So that's where sex comes into the tantric picture. It's not like tantra, it's not like a bunch of ancient yogis sat in their caves thousands of years ago and thought, let's develop a mystical sexual practice and we'll call it tantra. Sex basically just became part of tantra organically because sex is a part of our life. Guys will definitely get that broader perspective of, yes, Tantra, you can engage with Tantra when you are engaging with sexual energy, but you can engage with Tantra when you're doing the dishes. You can engage with Tantra when you're stuck in traffic. You can engage with Tantra when you're cleaning out your litter boxes. I mean, literally all aspects of our life become part of our spiritual practice when we approach them mindfully. Cleaning out the litter box. Nobody likes to do it, but you have to do it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. your house is going <laughs> to smell and your cat will hate you. So while you're cleaning out the litter box, if you want to make that a tantric experience, you're not constantly repeating the mantra in your head. I hate doing this. When is this going to be over? Instead, you create a neutral mindset around it. You have to do it so instead of causing your own suffering by reminding yourself over and over again how much you hate cleaning out the litter box, how much you don't like doing the dishes, how much you don't like taking out the garbage, you create a neutral mindset around it and you just do it. You don't cause 
yourself any more suffering. You come out the other side and you're fine. You get stuck in traffic. That's an opportunity to practice patience. Getting pissed off is not going to make any of the cars in front of you go any faster. So you use it as an opportunity to breathe deep. I always teach guys how to chant. And then when you get to your destination, even if you're late, you arrive grounded and focused and much better prepared to deal with whatever it is you have to deal with than if you had sat there in traffic and just gripped the steering wheel and your teeth and got yourself all worked up. So those are just some ways that Tantra, how it relates to our broader existence. And that's definitely you know something that guys who take my workshops, guys who come for a one-on-one bodywork session are definitely introduced to those philosophies. When I am playing with other guys, I run tapes through my head. It gets in the way of me having the best experience. I know that. So it sounds like maybe by applying some of these principles, that would help work through some of those tapes and get them to just stop playing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it is literally about connecting, connecting with yourself if you're, if you're masturbating and actually connecting with the person who is, you know, sitting across from you if you're engaging with someone else. And connecting is looking in each other's eyes. Connecting is if you have talked about it in advance and you said, hey, I'm into edging, let's edge for a while then you have to communicate with each other because you don't know what's going on inside of his body unless he opens his mouth and says, I'm getting close. So even that starts a dialogue between the two of you. And when you really do focus your attention on the person you're with, then the tapes in your head basically get drowned out by what you're choosing to focus on as opposed to you know, what your ego and your mind want you to focus on. So it's not like focusing on stopping those tapes. It's shifting your focus to something else, meaning either your physical body, if it's just you, or the person who you're engaging with. It's the same thing with meditation. It's like we can't get our mind to stop thinking. That's what our mind does. Our mind is designed to think. Our mind is amazing designed to think. So our mind is going to think. What meditation is, is you choose something for your mind to focus on. Okay. You're the one that's in control of what you're choosing to focus on. It could be your breath. It could be a candle flame. It could be a mantra. And then you start to focus on that. Each time you notice your mind has wandered, you bring it back. Okay. I tell guys, each time you notice your mind has wandered, Say silently to yourself, thinking, okay? You're just calling your mind out for doing exactly what your mind is designed to do. Don't judge yourself. A lot of people are like, oh, my mind was was just wandering. That's bad. I'm not meditating. I'm not focused. I just want to list some of the tapes that I play because I think some of my listeners might be able to relate to them. Yeah. I'm worried that I'm not going to get hard. I'm worried because I'm not getting hard. I'm worried that the other guy may not be hard. Is it me? I am thinking about the way that I look at that moment. I'm worried about whether I'll be able to perform if I'm going to top. I'm worried about 
am I clean enough if I'm going to bottom? I'm worried, mm-hmm. you know, just like all these things that I'm thinking about. Yes. Yeah. So the first step is. Well, the first step is, I mean, is recognizing the fact that the other guy's probably thinking the same things that you are. <laughs> it doesn't seem that way, Joel. Well, uh, uh, but it probably doesn't seem that way to him that you're well, thinking those things too, unless you mm-hmm. say something. Yep. You know, and and again, it's about connecting. You know, when we make ourselves, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. that's true power. That's how the person you're with basically just keys in and connects. Is when you're willing to say, "I'm afraid I'm not going to get hard," or "You're not getting hard." Is there something? that I can do. Tell me what really turns you on. You know, you don't know what's going on inside their head unless you Mm. communicate with them as opposed to basically just having that dialogue with yourself inside your head and it's spiraling into, you know, places where then there's no way you're going to get hard. When guys in my workshops don't get hard, that's exactly what I tell them. I'm like, you know, let go of any pressure on yourself and just relax and enjoy the experience of being touched wherever on your body you're being touched. And for the guys who can do that, who actually can get out of their head and bring their attention just to their physical body and the physical sensations that they're experiencing, then all of a sudden they realize, oh, I'm hard. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an intelligence in your body if you get out of the way and allow it to just do its thing. Mm -hmm. Well, for some people... And again, I'll bet a lot of people can relate to this. In fact, I just did a, an interview where we talked about this. Um, the way I enjoy sex with another person, I still enjoy getting myself off when I'm, when I'm with somebody else. The pleasure comes from pleasuring them. So, you know, my cock could be in a cage for all I care. Uh, mm-hmm. and in fact, that would, well, I just ordered a cage to try it out. <laughs> I've, I've had a cage before, but I haven't really used it when I'm playing with someone. Mm-hmm. And I want to experiment with that and see what it's like. Because I think it would be interesting to go into a play, sex- play session with someone knowing this is going to be a, an exchange of sexual energy, but it's not about my dick. Takes the pressure off you. Yeah. Totally takes the pressure off you to perform. Yeah, For sure. There's power in being the giver and there's power in being the receiver you know neither one is better or worse both roles are are equally important and you embrace the role that you're playing at that moment for sure i notice in your videos sometimes you're clothed sometimes you're not clothed can you talk about that my videos have definitely evolved so there's probably more of me not clothed now than further down my feed. When I first started my OnlyFans, it was in response, it was mostly in response to the pandemic. I had started it a little bit before the pandemic, but then I really kind of dove in during the pandemic because I couldn't host in-person you know, mm-hmm. workshops anymore. So I wanted to keep being able to put the teachings out there in a way that people could consume it safely. During my workshops, speaking of giving and receiving, during my workshops, when guys are in the role of giver, meaning they're the body worker, 
Okay. They're not the guy on the table. They were jocks. So that's why in a lot of my videos, I'm wearing a jock because I want it to be an accurate representation of what guys would experience in my workshops. Mm. And the reason why guys wear jocks when they're the givers, besides for the fact that it's just super sexy to have a half a room full of dudes and jocks, whether they're you know working on someone on a table or doing yoga, is because it helps the receiver just focus on receiving. It's like if someone's giving you a massage and their cock is constantly flopping against <laughs> your hand on the table, mm-hmm. it's hard not to reach out. Mm-hmm. But if someone's in a jock, their cock's not going to be flopping into your hand. Mm-hmm. It gives the receiver permission to just receive, you know, and that's a, that's a tough one for a lot of for a lot of people because they feel like, well, someone's giving to me. I have to give back. That's just being a good human being. And they'll have the opportunity to give back when the roles are reversed and they get the opportunity to be the the giver. But then you say you later in the series, you lose the jockstrap. Is that just to mm, meet the demand of the customer? In the, you mean on my OnlyFans? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Let's be honest. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I learned just kind of the dynamics of OnlyFans as I was creating it. It's really cool that you can interact with your subscribers. I think it's important to respond to things that they are asking for that are within your own comfort zone and that support what I'm trying to put out into the world. And, you know, one of the things that I am trying to put out into the world is for guys to transcend the the hangups that we've all been given about sex. Even as gay men, we like to think of ourselves as sexually liberated and open-minded, but we all grew up in the same culture that everybody else did. So find me one gay man that doesn't have some layer of issues still kind of hanging on, myself included. So as I got deeper and deeper into putting my work on OnlyFans, I started to realize that, you know what, not showing your face on OnlyFans, meaning my face, that is me responding to those issues that I have that, well, I don't know if I want my face to be out there like this. Mm -hmm. And when I really started to work through that, I started showing my face on there because you got to practice what you preach. Same thing with periodically losing the jock trying to practice what I preach so that guys who are consuming my content are really getting the message that as long as you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting someone else, there's nothing taboo about what any of us are doing. You know, we're engaging with sexual energy, with the most powerful energy in the universe. How could that be a bad thing? When you and I met recently on the Twitter platform, Milking Coach was hosting a discussion and we were both talking and the where we you and I connected was around massage and our massage schooling and how how they drill it into your head you, you just don't touch the body in certain places at blah 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 and especially the nipples is where I <laughs> really connected with you because you were talking about how the school makes such a big deal about going around the nipples, not just on a woman, but on a man. I'm guessing you're 
practice was a lot different than it was after? Oh yeah, I did. I mean, I did traditional massage. I worked at a did a health club for a little while, and then realized, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to work for anybody else. Massage is hard. It's hard work, mm-hmm. and to make money doing massage, you have to work on a lot of people, and mm-hmm. that's hard. And there's just a certain amount of people that your body can work on mm-hmm. per day, and basically still feel like you're taking care of yourself. So I learned pretty quickly that the way to support yourself doing massage was to work on your own, was to do your own things. So then I set up a room in my house and I'd say for about a year after I got my massage license, I did traditional massage, worked on both men and women Mm -hmm. in the way that I was trained in massage school, was at a party one night and just, you know, just chatting with people. And I ran into this guy, met him and we were just talking. He said, so what do you do? And I said, I do body work. He said, oh, so do I. I do tantric body work. And I, at that point, I didn't even know what it was. So he said, well, let's set up a time. You come over to my studio and I'll give you a tantric body work session. I did. And it blew my mind in, in several different, different ways in that I couldn't believe how good it felt. But also, it blew my mind in that all that stuff that they drilled into my head about uh, what was taboo about the body in massage school was just kind of kicked out the back door because it was countered with, wow, I've never felt more alive than this. So how could letting someone work your nipples in this way, letting someone work your cock in this way, how could that be bad? And then there was no turning back. Then after that, I kind of shifted gears with uh, my personal bodywork practice and focused on tantric bodywork. So if tantra is not just about sex, it's how you wash your dishes, how you stay calm in traffic, how can you have a tantric bodywork session? Then there's obviously something specific in that, something physical, tangible. Absolutely. And the most obvious thing is when the dude on your table gets a hard on, you don't ignore it. You say to him, notice, become aware of, and this is before you're even touching his cock. Because a lot of guys, they take off their clothes, they lie down on the table, and they're hard. Mm-hmm. Or as soon as you start to touch them, they get hard. That's what, as men, we're wired for that. Well, Joel, I'm sure this happens a lot to you. <laughs> I'm sure it happens a lot to you too. (laughs) (laughs) So you, you acknowledge that you don't ignore it. What I say to guys usually is notice the energy that you're feeling in your cock. Sexual energy is the most powerful healing energy that the body produces on a cosmic level. Sexual energy manifests as creative energy. Creative energy is the most powerful energy in the universe. Nothing would be here without it. We wouldn't be here without it. So you are acknowledging what's going on. You're being present with what's going on. And that's what Tantra is all about. Mm. Tantra, the word Tantra means union. It means to join. It means to connect. So you're connecting things that we've been told in the West, there's no connection. Heaven and earth, there's no connection. They're two separate things. Sex and spirit. They're two totally separate things. Male and female, 
they're two totally separate things. And what we're witnessing now in our culture with the trans movement is, no, they're not separate. As men, we've got feminine energy inside of us and women have masculine energy inside of them. The thing that makes a bodywork session tantric is recognizing those opposites and bringing them together, helping someone, guiding them in bringing them together. Joel, is there, are there any last thoughts, advice, wisdom you want to share or anything about your business and anything you want to include? I would say just for guys who are curious about deepening their understanding of Tantra, or you don't even have to get as woo-woo as Tantra. You just, guys who want a more satisfying connection with their sex life, it's all there for you. You know, you have the ability right there in your own body to tap into that energy. And the cool thing about being gay is that we are the object of our own desire. It's not that straight men can't turn on to themselves. But it's much easier for gay men to turn on to themselves. So as gay men or bi men or trans men, we have the ability to turn on to ourselves and to generate that energy in ourselves and to really explore what that energy is, what that energy does, and how powerful that energy can be in our life when we learn how to use it as opposed to it using us. Joel, thank you very much for being on Sexual Heroes today. You are very welcome, Robert. It was, it was a pleasure to finally get to talk to you. For information with links about a guest on Sexual Heroes, visit the show notes. And please be sure to follow me on Twitter at RobertBlackXXX. Thanks for listening. Oh.